Well, the Bible is full of promises. People have attempted to count how many promises there are in the Bible, and of course, it's kind of difficult because how do you define a promise? But uh, even the most conservative estimates are there that there are thousands of promises in God's Word. And God's promises are absolutely essential for us in living a life for God. Second Peter 1, I'd encourage you to take out the white page in the middle of your bulletin. It has the outline and the scriptures written out. You can take some notes there. 2 Peter chapter 1 says, His divine power has granted to us all things. Circle that word all. All things that pertain to life and godliness. By which, this divine power, He has granted to us His precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. And so to paraphrase these verses, it's saying that God gives you and I everything that we need for every area of our lives through his incredibly great promises. Now, what is a promise from God? Well, a promise from God is a statement that God will or, or will not do something. Uh, for the most part, <clears throat> we're looking at promises where God will do something. Many of the promises in the Bible are conditional. You must do something in order to gain the benefit of the promise. Some promises are unconditional. But with all the promises of God, we must believe that what God said is true and that he will fulfill his promise. Promises are fulfilled in our lives as we believe. Just a simple example, John 3.16, the most well-known verse in the Bible, is a conditional promise. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, and here's the promise, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And so the condition in this conditional promise is that you must believe in Jesus Christ. And if you believe in Jesus, there's twofold promise. First of all, you, if you believe in Jesus, you will not perish in hell. Secondly, you will have eternal life. So that promise doesn't apply to every person. It applies to those who fulfill the condition, believing in Jesus Christ. Just an example of a promise. How do you gain the benefit of a promise from God? We already talked about faith. Let's look at Hebrews 6.12. It says, so that you may not be sluggish. No, I don't want to be sluggish, right? I don't think any of us want to be sluggish. But imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And so the book of Hebrews gives us many examples of men and women of faith who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God, and we are to follow their example. We are to be imitators of them as they claimed and made those promises come or believed, and those promises came to pass in their lives. One of the heroes of faith in Hebrews and other books in the New Testament is Abram, and we're studying about him in our current message series entitled Abraham Hearing God's Call. God spoke to Abram, and we saw in our very first message, he made promises to Abraham, or Abram, promises of offspring and the land of Canaan to live in. Hebrews 6.15 says, And thus Abram, Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. Now really, in this series, that's a spoiler. I'm sorry I spoiled it, that Abram is going to believe God, and the promise is going to be fulfilled in his life. He waited patiently, and eventually we're going to, as we go through the series, see him receiving the blessing of God's promises. 
I'd like us to watch a short video before we go on with the story of Abram. It's called The Promises of God, about God's promises. So the promises of God allow us as believers to live above stress, to live above worry, to live above discouragement. If we believe God's promises, our assets greatly outweigh any liabilities that we have in life. God wants to fulfill his promises in our lives. And we're going to talk about covenant promise from Genesis chapter 15. We're going to learn from the example of Abram how to believe God's promises for our own lives. And through these promises, God desires to give you everything that you need in life. And so we need to believe God's promise of children. Let's begin in Verse 1 of Genesis 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. Now, if you were here last Sunday, you'll remember that Abram had just led a small contingent of men, 318 men, and had defeated a large confederation of four kings. Perhaps Abram was afraid that these kings would return and counterattack. But clearly, Abram was fearful, for the Lord's first words to him were, Be not afraid. Fear not, Abram. And God doesn't speak words for no effect. Obviously, Abram was afraid of something. The Lord promised that he would protect Abram as being a shield for him, that he would protect them from all attack. And the Lord said that he would give Abram a great reward, a very great reward. And then Abram responded back to the Lord. And this is one of the aspects of Abram's life that we should imitate. Listening for God to speak to us and then speaking back to God. That's really the essence of prayer. Prayer is not simply asking God to do things for us and then carrying on our merry way. Prayer is Speaking to God, listening to God, speaking to God, having a conversation with God. And so we see Abram then speaking to God in verse 2. So, but Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And so Abram knew from, previously, from God previously speaking to him that the reward that God had for him was going to come through children. God had previously told him that, and yet some time had passed since God had spoken to Abram. And Abram now says, God, in case you hadn't noticed, I continue childless. There is no baby. And my heir is going to be another man. And that is not what you promised because I have no children. And so Abram does not really understand how God's promise of this great reward could possibly be fulfilled. So God speaks to Abram. Abram responds with a, a doubt, with a question, and then God speaks back. He responds to Abram in the next verse. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him, that is to Abram. This man, speaking of Eliezer of Damascus, shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look towards heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And so God addresses Abram's doubt. First of all, the Lord says, No, you're wrong, Abram. This Eliezer is not going to be your heir. 
I'm going to give you your very own son. The promise will be fulfilled. You, you haven't misunderstood. That is the promise. And then God takes Abram outside to look at the night sky. And back then there was no light pollution and they probably saw far more stars than we've ever seen. And he looks up and the heavens are filled with stars. And God says, as numerous as the stars of the heavens are, so shall your children be. And so God's promise was much greater to Abram than him simply having a son. Abram's offspring would be as uncountable as the stars. They would be so many, so great. And how did Abram respond? Well, he chose to believe God's word. Verse 6, and he, that is Abram, believed the Lord. And he, that is the Lord, counted it to him as righteousness. And so this is a, a very important verse, both in our study of Abram and in the New Testament. It's quoted a number of times in the New Testament, especially in Romans chapter 4, which we won't have time to talk about this morning. You can read it on your own. And so what did Abram do after God spoke to him? Well, Abram believed the promise of God. He believed that what God said was true and that it would come to pass. He didn't know how it would happen. He and Sarah, Sarai were getting old. It didn't seem possible in the natural, but he believed that God would fulfill the promise. And what did God do? Well, God saw Abram's faith, and it says that he counted or credited to Abram as righteousness. In other words, God brought Abram into a righteous relationship with himself because of Abram's faith in believing what God said and believing that God had the power and would fulfill his promise. And so what can we learn from Abram's example for our own lives here in 2018 in St. Louis? As I mentioned at the start of the message, the Bible is full of promises. Now the first promise that everyone should claim is the promise of eternal life through Jesus Christ. And we've already read that promise in John 3.16. That is the entrance into a life with God. Getting, uh, repenting of our sin, believing in Jesus, accepting his forgiveness. is how we enter into a relationship with God. And if you're struggling this morning about your need for eternal life or how God can forgive you, talk to God. He wants to talk to you. Now, you're probably not going to hear an audible voice, but God will speak to you in your spirit. God will make known to you what he is saying to you. Tell him your doubts. God isn't intimidated. As Abram expressed his doubts to God, God responded back and Abram's faith grew. Listen to what God wants to say to you. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Just as he spoke to Abram thousands of years ago, he desires to speak to you today. He still speaks to people today. Contrary to what many teach. And when you hear the whisper of God's voice in your heart, believe him, believe his word. You're believing in Jesus Christ for the first time. You will be saved. You will become a child of God. And those principles apply to every promise that's written down in God's word. Now, the children that Abram was going to have, he was not going to have natural physical children as numerous as the stars of the sky. He was going to have 
spiritual children as well. And that's clearly brought out in the New Testament. He was going to have a child, a child of promise, ultimately Isaac, and Isaac would have children, and so the nation of Israel, the physical nation of Israel would be born. Yet the New Testament, Romans 4, makes clear that you and I are spiritual children of Abraham. Abraham is our father in the faith. We believe just as he did. And so just as God desired Abraham to have, Abraham to have many spiritual children, so he wants you and I to have many spiritual children as well. A spiritual child is someone that you have spoken the truth of Jesus to and they have become a believer. In some way, you have contributed to them believing in Jesus Christ. And God wants each one of us to have many spiritual children. Believe his word for that. Don't think that you can't be one to lead someone else to the Lord. God wants each and every person to do that. Secondly, believe God's promise of resource. Verse 7, And he said to him, God is speaking to Abram, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. And so next, God is speaking to Abram, moving to the second part of his promise. God states that he brought Abram all the way from the land of Ur and the Chaldeans over a thousand miles to the land of Canaan. Now, the land of Canaan was not empty. It was occupied by nations of people. And God was promising Abram that he would give him this land to Abram and his descendants. Now, do people just normally say, hey, you can have my house, you can have my land, I'm just going to move away. No, people fight to defend. There are armies there. He just had battle with armies. There are armies there that want to defend their own land, that want to defend that. So Abram had a question. And we need to be open to asking God our questions. God doesn't get embarrassed. God doesn't get uptight if we ask him questions. And so he said, Abram said, Oh Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? As we said before, Abram had just battled four kings who had defeated five kings. We got nine kings in this area who all had territories and armies. And so there were kings, territories, armies all around him in this land of Canaan. And so Abram had a question. How can I know this is going to really happen? I can't figure it out in my own head. And so he asked God a question, and God answered him over a period of verses here. And so Abram had to be, had to be willing then to do something. He had to be willing to sacrifice because this was God's next instruction to him. He didn't immediately answer his question. And so God said to Abram, bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and when birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. So God instructed Abram to offer a sacrifice of animals to the Lord. Abram obeyed. He did it. And as he had the animals were laid out, birds of prey, I know, vultures, eagles, whatever they were, hawks came swooping down to try to carry away the sacrifice. And Abram had to protect the sacrifice from these birds of prey. Now, oftentimes in the Bible, birds of prey are, are symbolic of Satan's attack, trying to attack God's promise, trying to attack this sacrifice. And so he had to defend 
what he was doing in response to God's command. Now, what is the land? Why did God promise Abram the land of Canaan? Well, the land that God promised Abram was the resource that Abram needed to provide for the offspring that were coming, the nation of Israel. The land of Canaan provided a place for them to live. If Abram had children and generations after generations of children came as offspring, where were they going to live? And so the land of Canaan was the resource for them to live, a place to live, a place that had water for them to drink, land for their flocks to pasture on, and so on. Well, let's relate this back to us. Our purpose on earth, one of our main purposes is to produce spiritual children. It's one of the things we can't do in heaven. Pretty much everything else we can do in heaven. We can worship God. We can fellowship with other believers. We can serve God in heaven. But we're not going to be able to lead people to the Lord in heaven because everybody there is going to be saved. And the people who aren't are going to be in another place. And there's no way to pass between hell and heaven. And so God wants us to produce spiritual children. As a church family, we work together to see people saved and become part of God's kingdom. Now, if God blesses your family with physical children, you must make sure as a parent that each one is saved and becomes a spiritual child as well. And we pray and we seek God for that. And the land then is for us the resources that we need to reach and care for spiritual children. Ultimately, the resources are found in the kingdom of God. That's really our land. That's our homeland. That's where we're going to live forever. But even now, the kingdom of God and its resources are available for us through God's promises. And so God promises to give you enough resources to meet your own needs in life and to provide for spiritual children in every way. And so in order to receive the promises, we must sacrifice. We must give sacrificially. We must believe that God is going to provide for everything that we need as we seek his kingdom first. Next, we must receive God's revelation. Verse 12, as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. So it seems that God revealed himself again to Abram in, a, in another awe-inspiring vision. Acts chapter 2 tells us, that until Jesus returns, God will continue to reveal himself to believers in dreams and visions, as well as through the Holy Spirit. And so God was going to help Abram, but he needed to understand God's timetable. Verse 13, then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterwards they shall come out with great possessions. And so the Lord then shows Abram what's going to happen hundreds of years in the future. In about 200 years from the time when Abram lived, the Israelites, Abram's offspring, would become slaves in Egypt. They would suffer under slavery in Egypt for 400 years. And then God would judge Egypt with many plagues and the children of Israel, the Israelites, would escape from Egypt with great plunder. They took, the Egyptians gave them all kinds of things as they escaped. And then God continues to speak to Abram about what's going to happen to him personally. Verse 15, as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace and you shall be buried in a good old age. 
And they shall come back here in the fourth generation. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And so Abram himself would not experience this slavery in Egypt. He would die and be buried in the land of Canaan at the age we know of 175 years old. The Israelites would come back to the land of Canaan after their exodus from Egypt, after they escaped from Egypt. So why the long time between, uh, before the Israelites took possession of Canaan? Some 600 years from when Abram lived before the Canaanites were displaced or conquered by the Israelites under the leadership of Joshua. Well, this last phrase in verse 16 is a very important phrase. We'll try to unpack it at least a little bit right now. The Amorites were basically the term that often is used in the Old Testament to describe the people who were living in Canaan, the native uh, inhabitants of Canaan. And God tells Abram that the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. In other words, God was giving them time to repent of their wicked practices. In fact, he was giving them some, at least 400, really 600 years to repent. The inhabitants of Canaan, we know from history, we know from the Bible and other sources, were incredibly wicked. Their evil consisted of idolatry. We read about that throughout the Old Testament, their idolatry was combined with sexual orgies of all kinds. They engaged in homosexuality and bestiality, sorcery. And worst of all, they burned their infants as sacrifices to the gods. God says the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. But after 400 years, what would happen after the... Israelites had been in Egypt for 400 years. The iniquity of the Amorites would have been complete. Their time for repentance would be over. God's judgment would fall upon them. And God's judgment fell through the invasion of Joshua and the armies of Israel who conquered and put to the sword the Amorites. That was God's timetable and God revealed that to Abram, what would happen hundreds of years in the future. And so Abram was going to live in light of God's promise. Verse 17, when the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. That's the pieces of the sacrificed animals. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying to your offspring, I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. And so this smoking fire pot and the flaming torch were a manifestation of the presence of God. We see this over and over in, in uh, the Old Testament, even in the New Testament, that fire is a manifestation of God's presence. We see the burning bush with Moses. We see fire coming down on Mount Sinai. The day of Pentecost, we see fire coming down again. And so God... <clears throat> A man cannot look at God's true form and live, but manifestations of his presence then were passing between the pieces of Abram's sacrifice and accepting that sacrifice. And as God accepted the sacrifice, he made a solemn promise or, or covenant with Abram to give his offspring the land of Canaan. And yet it would be or 600 years in the future. And so Abram would live the rest of his life 
believing God's promise. He would believe God's promise for a son. And he would see that son and hold that son. It would be fulfilled in his lifetime. But he would believe God that his offspring would inherit the land of Canaan. And that he did not see with his own eyes. It would happen 600 years in the future. And so we learn from Abram's example that God wants to reveal himself and his promises to us. And God is in charge of the timetable. Abram was not in charge of the timetable. Perhaps he wanted the land right then. It wasn't going to happen. There's a lot of other factors that God had planned for it. God is in charge of the timetable of his promises to us. Our responsibility is to simply believe God's promises and fulfill whatever conditions there are. And of course, the condition for every promise is that we must believe. We must believe that what God said is true and that God is capable and will fulfill that promise. And then we can live as people of faith in light of God's promises. Now, how can we find God's promises that apply to our lives? Well, the most fruitful way, there's several ways, but the most fruitful way is to simply read your Bible every day. And God has a wonderful way of, as we read, highlighting things that apply to our lives. He will bring out promises that apply to you right where you're at, right what you're doing. Don't just read to understand the text. I mean, we should do that. We definitely need to understand it. Don't just read to check a box off that you've read a chapter a day. Read to discover God's promises for you. And as you read through, God will highlight a verse here, a verse there, a section, somebody's life that apply to your life. Somebody that maybe you should imitate their example. Or maybe somebody you shouldn't imitate their example. And God will have promises that he gave perhaps to other people that he will apply to your life. Write that promise down somewhere. Write it out. Begin to pray over it. Believe and fulfill any conditions that that promise may have. As we go on in the story of Abraham, we're going to learn how to wait patiently until the promise comes to pass. And so Abraham is one of the great examples of waiting patiently for Many, many years for the promise to come to pass, the promise of a son. Now, sometimes if you have a specific need, God will help you to search the Bible. We have all kinds of tools on the Internet or programs to search the Bible that people just 20 years ago didn't have. And we can search for things. If there's something you really have a need for and you need a promise from God, ask somebody else. Perhaps they have a promise that will meet your specific need. I believe whatever your need is in life, there is a promise in God's word for that need. And so God speaks to us his promises in his word and he specifically applies them to our lives through his spirit. His spirit will say, that's for you. That's my promise, not just to this person in the Bible. That's not just my promise that was written to Someone in the New Testament, that's my promise to you for your life right now. If you have doubts or questions about God's promise, talk to him. Just as Abram did, have a conversation with him. That's what prayer is all about, speaking to God and listening to him 
speak back to you. God wants to speak to you. In fact, God is speaking to you. God is speaking to you. If you're a believer here today, God is speaking to you. He's speaking to you every day. We just have to have ears to hear what he is saying. We learn from Abram's example. We learn that God is faithful. That God always keeps his promises. We learn that we have a responsibility to believe God's promises. We have a responsibility to believe what God has spoken and to believe that even though it seems absolutely impossible for that promise to be fulfilled in the natural, God can and still will do it. And God has a timetable to fulfill his promises in. In my experience, that that timetable is often longer than what we would wish. We always want things yesterday or tomorrow. And oftentimes, there's a whole lot of other things going on. And in this case, the iniquity of the Amorites had not yet been completed. We can preach sermons on that. That's a very important thing that very few people understand. But may each of us continue to be patient and to keep believing until the answer comes. Living every day in the promises of God. And we'll see as we go on with Abram how he grew strong. His faith grew over the years as the promise wasn't fulfilled. But his faith grew stronger and stronger until finally it was fulfilled. God wants each of us to believe him. And this is not just based on Genesis chapter 15, but many other places in the New Testament as well as the Old. God wants each of us to believe him for spiritual children. That you and I can lead more people to Jesus Christ. Individually and as a church family. God wants us to believe that. Now it may seem difficult, it may seem hard, but don't give up. God wants you to believe him for more spiritual children. He wants us to believe him for the resources to help them grow in the Lord. So let's believe God together for greater things in our own lives and in our church family as we listen to his promises, believe his promises, and put them into practice. Now the first step in God's call on anyone's life is for them to have faith in Jesus Christ, put their faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And to do that, you need to admit that you've sinned. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Each and every person has sinned. They've done wrong things. And everybody knows in their heart of hearts that they haven't been a perfect person. They've done things they know are wrong. And we simply need to admit it and turn away from that. Repent. The Bible speaks of repentance. Turning away from our sin. Believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross. That our sins might be forgiven. He paid the penalty. His death paid the penalty. What we owed, our, our death, he paid that so that we would not have to die, that we could have eternal life. And three days later, he rose from the dead. He's alive today, and we commit our lives to following him as our Lord and Savior. So let's bow our heads right now. If you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ, or you'd like to recommit your life to him today, I'd encourage you to pray along with me. Say something like this, Father, today I admit that I've done wrong things, I've sinned, I've been following my plans for my life rather than yours. I repent, I turn away from those things, and I ask for your forgiveness. 
I believe Jesus died on the cross that my sins might be forgiven. He rose from the dead three days later. Come into my life. I commit myself to following you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior all the days of my life. And for those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you for this example of Abram, whom your word says is our father in the faith. We're grateful that you called him and and gave him the faith to believe in your promise. Help us to be people of faith who believe your promises for our lives. Forgive us, God, for, for trying to live our lives in our own strength, for trying to follow our own plans or thinking our, our plans were better than yours. Show us the promises that you want us to believe you for. Great promises, wonderful promises, promises of things that are bigger than anything we could possibly imagine. Help us to believe you for the big things that you have planned for us in our individual lives and in our church family, God. We know that nothing is impossible with you, God. All things are possible with you. Forgive us, God, for being afraid of believing your promises. Give us the courage to live every day in light of your promises as people of faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.